Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. What a pleasure to be here and worship with you guys. And, uh, you know, when the Lord called us to China, we decided to name our ministry Loaves and Fishes because we felt uh, the least likely qualified. And uh, we did relate to the story that uh, we were like the little boy's lunch. It wasn't much, but it's all we had, and it was fully given to the Lord. And we just said we will sow our lives to the nation and uh, let his will be done and multiplied according to how he sees fit. And we do believe that as we gave unto him, he knows how to take our offering and use it to the best of his ability. Praise God. Mm. Worship was amazing. Hugs to all those brothers of mine that led us in that amazing worship. I love that. That's that's why we're here in New York City, right? We come for Jesus. Everything else is extra. Well, my wife and I are going to share our time this morning. We share everything. So uh, I'm going to share a little bit first, and then she's going to share. So I'm going to watch my time. I can tend to go short and brief. I think maybe it's my business background that kicks in. I can get right to the point and close the deal if need be. <laughs> and Jesus is that way with me. You know, he says very simple things like, hey, just go and love like I loved you. You know, just forgive people the way I forgave you. Pretty short and simple to the point, but he really speaks clearly like that. And, you know, the woman that washed him with her tears. He said, the one who has been forgiven much, loves much. So it doesn't take a lot of words from the Lord to reach me. I'm very simple like that. But I want to share a quick testimony that relates here to New York City. About 22 years ago, uh, Dean and I were living in Florida. And I was working in a little strip mall in Florida. Uh, My background was banking and finance. And so in the strip mall, just making cold calls all day long, trying to find an investment deal. And um, of course, called many banks and investment companies here in New York and found a transaction that worked. And so my boss was flying in from London and said, well, hey, I'll welcome you to meet me in New York City and we'll see if this deal works out. And so coming from a little retirement town in Florida to be here in the city, actually um, was in the Twin Towers and was able to watch this deal go down. It was quite amazing. And uh, I knew I was a small fish in a big pond, so I knew my cut on that would be very small. And they said, well, I was asking, well, how small? And he said, well, you know, less than 1%, a fraction of 1%. And so I was surprised when we got a check in the mail. It was five figures. And um, and the Lord just kind of was allowing me to see There's wealth, yes, but he was going to show me true riches. And so after that, not long after that, Dean and I had a powerful encounter with the Lord that, you know, subsequently led us to China. And I was still working at a a different bank at that time. And, you know, I just couldn't put a deal together. It was crazy. It seemed like on paper it would be, we'd call it a slam dunk, just super easy and nothing was coming through but yet it didn't really bother me because I just wanted to sit in my car and read my Bible 
Mm. So the moral of the story <laughs> is when the favor of God lifts off of you, pay attention. So he got my attention, and I said, yes, I would gladly take a pay cut for the honor of working in church. And uh, then I was like, wow, you know, I get to be in church every day, and they're paying me. <laughs> it wasn't much, but, you know, what amazing privilege. And so before Dean and I met, now we've been married almost 28 years. It's getting better and better. Amen. Amen. Who's been married here over 30 years? No way. Hey, come on. We're with you. Marriage is awesome. We love it. And so I had traveled a little bit because I was in the service when I met Dina. I said, hey, honey, I want to take you traveling someday. And when we got married, you know, we started living our lives as professionals. But then we had an encounter with the Lord, and we did start to travel but it wasn't like the travel that I was anticipating taking her on. <laughs> we were in the dumps in Mozambique, Africa. Literally, Heidi had a church in the dump that we were privileged to share in. We were sharing the streets of Brazil and places like Haiti and villages in China. And so, But it was glorious travel. That's the best kind, right? Where it's just experience God's glory. So, I'm just going to share briefly today about a good God in tough times. In the last two years, anybody gone through a tough time? Good. Okay, I'm not alone. Experienced some difficulties. Um, many things about life, I would say I know less now than ever. Amen. But that's okay, you know, 1 Corinthians 2, 2, Paul says, I've decided to know nothing except Jesus and him crucified. And so I think if, if we can say that, say, hey, I don't know a, a whole lot about life. I sure don't have it figured out. And if I said I had it all figured out, maybe you wouldn't trust me anyways. <laughs> but I know for sure I have not. But I know my Lord. And I've come to know him even more. A few things that I will share that we learned in the last two decades in following him. One is dependency. The mission field is great for that, but I don't believe you have to be called on the mission field full time to live a life dependent on him. We're meant to be that way. We're literally, everything in our life is dependent on the Holy Spirit. Recently, I heard a word that said if the Holy Spirit was all of a sudden lifted, off your church or off your work, your life just taken out, what would be left? And if life would go on the same, then that should get our attention, right? We were dependent on him. It was easy there because for everything, our ministry, our children's education, our marriage, finances, daily bread, makes it easy for you to be dependent there. But here in the West, we have so much and we can lose that. I don't want to lose that. So keep depending on him. Keep thankful. We are so blessed here in this nation, and it's okay to be blessed. Does anybody want to be blessed today? <laughs> we love to be blessed, and the Father loves to bless us, and that's kingdom. We just need to be, remain thankful. Amen? So we, 
we got that there. We learned that in these last years, but we're still learning. We're still learning true dependence, true thankfulness. And the last thing I'll share, again, this is just my top three highlights. Um, Father's heart for the one. You know, Heidi preaches a message and lives it better than others stop for the one. And that's God's heart. You know, she got the message from him. Jesus says he leaves the 99, right, to stop for the one. We've seen that in China. You know, the children, like Pastor Bill said, these were the unwanted children left to die. We would be given access to dying rooms. And they were the, the rejected children. And we saw how much God loved them. He would do anything for one child. And it's amazing. I wish I had the picture. I sent it to Kathy this morning. Right on Times Square was one of our children from China who was adopted years ago by an amazing American family. And her picture was highlighted right there on Times Square. That's God's heart. He loves our kids. He, if he would do that, trust me, I could tell you stories forever, all that he would do. But real quickly, I can relate to those that have had hard times. Not only you know, did our ministry close down, but I experienced loss of family and severe hardships in the last 6 to 12 months. And so there's several things I want to talk about before I get into that real quick. As Pastor Colt mentioned, Colt, about hope, I just want to say anybody that's battling depression, just receive hope today, and his name is Jesus. Don't look to alcohol or drugs or anything else, but look to Jesus. There's hope. He wants you to have hope. Okay? So I just, just want to go along with what God is already speaking that way. But real quickly... How he spoke to me about this was a, a story in Judges chapter 6 where Gideon is there. You know the story. We're hiding, threshing wheat in the wine press. And the angel of the Lord comes and says, Oh, mighty man of valor. And here he is hiding and sees himself as nothing. And so in his mind, he's got a lot of questions about life and himself. And so he says, If, you know, if this is true what you're saying, then why? Right, And many of us have had those questions in the last couple of years, if God and why and all those things. And the way the Lord answered there, I just kind of felt like that was his heart for me, is don't get caught up in getting all the answers the way I would want to get them. But the Lord told him, go. Go in the strength that you have. Even if you feel like it's little, go. Go and, and see what the Lord has for you. You don't have to let the questions of life get you off track, you know, or get you disillusioned. Because we're all going to have questions, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? Just don't get hung up there to where you get off track with the Lord. We, we know from the word already, God says, hey, as long as you're in this world, you're going to have trouble. Right? He, he tells us it's going to happen. But he says, take heart. I, Jesus, have overcome the world, right? So we have these promises like John 10, 10. 
you know, keep these things in mind as the bad stuff's happening. It's the enemy, right? It's not people. It's the enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy from us. It's not a group of people. It's not this or that. It's the enemy. But Jesus has come to give us life and what? More abundantly. A full life is what he wants for us. So we stay focused on that. And, you know, Philippians 3 talks about suffering and getting to know Christ through suffering. And so don't let any of these hard times be wasted. Mm -mm. Instead, I'm looking for recompense. Right? Through all this loss, I'm not going to let it defeat me, but we, we need to defeat what the enemy's done. That's why Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, right? Isaiah 40, verse 10 says, See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. So I don't know how it's all going to come, but he does. And I want to see that recompense come in my lifetime for what the enemy's taken. Real short, I can relate through the life of the Apostle Paul when, you know, I say relate, but nobody can really relate. I mean, all the extremes that, that he lived and he wrote about. But I just want to share, you know, in, in Acts chapter 8, he was known as Saul. And he was coming into meetings like this. And he was the guy that was disrupting it, arresting them. He was that guy. Think of how we would feel about that guy that came in the back door and did that. We lived with that for many years, worshiping, wondering, you know, is our service going to be broken up by that guy? Then he has an encounter with Jesus, and everything changes, of course. But Jesus tells Ananias in chapter 9, hey, this is my chosen servant. And he was for sure chosen. Look how much of the New Testament he wrote. But then right after that, he says, and tell him how much he's going to suffer for my name. So how is that? Um, I like to say that I'm the Lord's favorite. <laughs> it's true. You can say it too, but I, I believe it. And so sometimes I remind him, you know, Lord, there's a lot of stuff we're going through. Remember, I'm your favorite. <laughs> but, you know, we read truths like this and we have to go back to the truth again know the truth in the world it's the enemy he wants to destroy everything good know the truth about our lives our lives are not our own not our own we were bought at a very high price and any small small amount of suffering we have for the kingdom is going to be nothing nothing compared to the riches we're going to have in heaven for eternity. Eternity is a long time, yeah. very long time. My mind can't wrap around much of that, but I know it's going to be really good, and it's going to be forever, and that's what we're living for. I heard a preacher say recently, there's, you know, there's important things in life, and there's even necessary things, but then there's eternal things, and they, it, we're living for the eternal. Amen? And so it's a, a daily decision. Daily we need to decide these things to live as an overcomer. 
We've learned a lot about grace, but it would be a whole message, but we are nothing without his grace, really. Truly, we can tell you it was grace that did everything uh, for us on the mission field. By grace, we're standing here today to share anything. So by the finished work of the cross and the all-sufficient grace, he's paid for it all. He's paid for it all so we can have that abundant life. Mm. I want to finish in a few verses in 2 Corinthians. You want to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Second Corinthians chapter one, there's a few verses. Read verse three and four with me. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So if you've been through some stuff recently, he wants to bless you. He wants to comfort you so that we can be there for the world. There's the lost and hurting still all over, probably more than ever. He wants to use us to come bring comfort to others after he comforts us. Then I want to finish with verses 8 through 10. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. Actually, I'm in 9. Let me start at 8. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure. For beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. Amen? Rely on God who raises the dead. These last couple of years should tell us not to rely on ourselves, not to rely on man or anything else, but on God. He's the one that raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Amen? I don't know what the rest of this year holds, but I do know who holds it. And my hope is in him. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Both the things you guys are doing, obviously, as the Lord, to have classes on healing, we need to have increased faith in this time, whether it's COVID or other sickness. And as the Apostle Paul says, it's the prayers, the intercession. That's going to change things. I want to end with uh, just something about that that I feel pretty strongly. We Come on up, honey. You're going to help me close. We love the body of Christ, and we're growing to love it even more. We've been so blessed by the body of Christ. They've loved us well through our whole life and ministry until today. And 
I now work for Global Awakening. It's a ministry that is globally bringing awakening to people. And so I get to work with the network of pastors and leaders in that ministry. And I see both sides. I see what the enemy is wanting to bring to the church, to destroy the church and divide us in any way, whether it's racial or political or sickness or just whatever issue he can use. The enemy wants to destroy the church, but God, the enemy knows something's coming, right? He's, he's trying the best he can to, to bring harm and disrupt and bring disunity. But through the prayers, through our love, God will overcome. And I see churches like Life Center having a problem. That if you're too small, your building is too small to hold all that's coming. Amen. And what would you do? You, pastor will say, okay, you fill up your house and you fill up your house. Right? I see them lined up outside your building, bigger than the lines for the bagel shop. Because you guys have the bread of life. Amen. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. And I'm going to pass it off to my honey. She's amazing. You will love her and appreciate her. <laughs> He's pretty cute, isn't he? I'm a blessed woman. Yes, indeed. Um, oh, I'm just standing before you with fear and trembling, and just give me a little bit of grace, okay, while I try to unpackage some things that the Lord has done within the last year, and I believe I'm here strategically. I know that I'm here strategically, that we're here strategically. I, I believe and I'm going to trust you guys in your maturity that you're going to be able to discern what the Spirit's saying. Um, but, you know, the, the message that Mike shared, I think all the scriptures we probably all heard a thousand times, right? Um, but there's something about the time that we're in in getting back to the basics and the Lord has just said over and over again to do the simple things well. Like, you know, all the things we can agree with. But what are we going to look like when we're, when we're in a situation where those things are tested? And what's going to come up? And, and how, much, um, how much time do we give ourselves to get to the kingdom? to get to the place that we're supposed to be living from, that we're supposed to be um, working from, how much time are we going to give ourselves? And um, really, what is the Lord requiring? And, you know, probably many of you, if you follow, you know, some of the, the leaders today know that many people are saying that this isn't just a new season, that we're in a new era, right? You've probably heard that word, that we're in a new era. And... I really believe, uh, just along with a lot of other leaders that have spoken, that in the last era that we're in, it focused, the, the focus of the last era was grace. Like there's, just think about, there's just such a, an extraordinary amount 
of grace, of patience, of goodness. You know, we learned through Bethel Church, right, the whole message of the goodness of God. Like we knew it, but but Bill just so beautifully um, presented it, and the Holy Spirit unleashed it to the world, and just a lot of grace. And But we've stepped into a new era, and it's not that grace has ended, but that there's an accountability for the grace that was distributed to the body of Christ. And we are in a, seat, in, a, in, a, in a new era now of the kindness and the severity of God. Um, and we need, as the body of Christ, to recognize that there is a seriousness to God right now um, and that um, he's allowed us time to mature, but there is a demand, you know, too much has been given, much is required. Like, it's not just something that we read or a verse that we quote. It's true. And we've all, if, if you're sitting here today, you've been given an extraordinary amount, and me included. I've been given an extraordinary amount. And, you know, like Mike said, we, I mean, we went through hell. Like, lit, like you know, we held more than 30 dead babies in our arms. You know, the government has, the Chinese government just came at us on all sides. Um, I didn't, my mother died unexpectedly. Well, while I was in China, my beloved mother, no, no, um, uh, no idea, not a sick day in her life no not any time just I just got a, I was sitting in my bedroom in China and I got a call and I said your mom I said what my mom my, my best friend my mom how did I don't understand and Mike's mom same exact scenario just in China and in the middle of COVID she didn't get COVID it wasn't COVID just we're just and we can't we can't get back. We can't, you know. And then the government took our babies, kids. Like, not, you know, these aren't stories. They're our children, you know, that we've raised from the time they were three, six months old until they're in their teens. All they've known is us. All we've known is them. And within days, they brought them back to the government orphanage, shaved their heads gave them little rations of food tied in their beds, hands, hands and feet. We have pictures that, the, that we've been sent. These kids that we lullabied to sleep and kissed all over their faces, and now they're hungry and starving, and during the day they're, they're tied around their little waist and, and like that to the end of their bed and made to stand all day. And, and so... What do I believe? What do I believe? And not just like, what do I believe so that I can tell you a good word? But there's a, there's a verse in Revelation. I think it's in Revelation 3. It says, the Lord is about to unmask us. He's about to unmask us and train us. I just think it's so amazing. It's so interesting. You know, everybody's masked all over the world. The Lord's about to unmask us to, so, that, so that we know, he knows, the world knows what's really behind what we say we believe. Because if I really believe the verse, trust in the Lord with all my heart, 
that looks like something. It doesn't just look like something that I say after I've screamed and cried and complained. And it looks like something in the middle of my pain. Wait a minute. I trust in the Lord with all of my heart. And in no way do I have to lean on my own understanding. In fact, I refuse to lean on the things that I understand. All I do is just stand and acknowledge him. And he directs my path. See, we did have to leave China, but the enemy didn't steal that from us because God is my God. The Bible says that my footsteps are ordered by God, not the enemy. There, there's so much hope. The Lord spoke to me and he said, tell my people that it's time to pray shorter prayers full of faith. And I would just just give this to you as you're praying and pray, people, pray. But pray like my like Jesus, like these simple prayers, but but let's test every word as we're praying. Do I believe this? I'm gonna infuse when I'm praying for my children. I'm gonna infuse these not with begging and pleading and venting and and, um, you know, just a lot of words. But I'm going to infuse this. Okay, I believe this. I believe that that this gospel is not just for me, but it's for my children and my children's children. Like, I believe this while I'm praying, right? While I'm praying. And just a side note about that. Um, somebody asked me, I was doing a women's conference recently, and the, one of the question and answers was, what do you wish somebody told you in the beginning of your ministry? And I'm going to, uh, you're going to have to um, process this with the Lord, but I'm just going to share with you. Um, but I heard a message um, from a a church all of you would know and a, a pastor that I love dearly and they were talking about the Psalms and they were talking about how Paul prayed and how he poured out you know his heart to the Lord and he just told him everything and and he ended you know always with but but the Lord you're my God you're strong you're you know and and, um, and the whole message was about like God can handle you know, you're, you're venting. God can handle, you know, the, all your, your questions and concerns and, um, that every once in a while we just need to just be really real with God and he can take it. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, well, this, this really, this really isn't true. Not from a new Testament perspective, because in the Psalms, David and others, they were pre-Jesus. And so all the things that they cried out for that they didn't understand, that they were contending for, Jesus is the answer in the New Testament. And, you know, not everything from the Old Testament goes all the way through the cross and into the New Testament, like animal sacrifices. You know, there are some things that translated through the cross, like animal sacrifices. Now we get the sacrifice of praise, right? And if you just look at, like if you take one, one scripture, and Jesus was severe. He was more severe than, than anyone, really, in, 
and his standard that he had for us throughout the, you know, the scriptures in the New Testament. But if you just even look at, at even in Philippians, like Philippians 4, what are you going to do with some of those times where you just let God have it? You just tell him how angry you are and how upset you are and how you can't believe that he would allow this to happen to you. And, you know, like uh, all of these things that we we can tend to spiritualize. But what are we going to do with with rejoice in the Lord always? Again, I say rejoice. Be anxious for nothing through prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Make your request known to the Lord. What are we going to do with that verse? We're going to have to we're going to have to violate that verse to go back to Old Testament. So, and I love the Psalms, don't get me wrong. I love the Psalms. I pray the Psalms. But I do think that we need to be careful in this in this age of venting that there is a standard. When we first came back from China, I was sitting next to a young man. Everybody was worshiping, and and he had been to school of ministry and all that, and he was sitting back and just kind of relaxing in God's presence. And I'm usually like the the real, like, squishy love, you know, like kind of preacher person, but the Lord just told me this word for him, and, and the Lord said, tell him I'm not nearly as laid back as he thinks I am. And I wouldn't have, I would not have thought that, but like there's, there's something about this time that we've been in, and the grace that the grace that we've been in in this last era that is, that is, can tend to make us, if we're not careful, uh, lazy and not understand some of the, um, the, the seriousness of the times that we're in and that, and how strong we need to be. And so, um, I just want to tell you a story um, and why I believe that we're here, part of the reason. Um, so in 2020, in uh, April and May of 2020, we had a, a staff that was a sister in Christ um, that we had sh uh, shared the gospel with and led to the Lord. And she had been with us for four years, and she was a child care giver and helping us taking care of the children. Her name was Ying Jia. She's in her 40s. And um, she got uh, very sick. She had a stroke. And this was in, in April or May of, of last year. And um, she ended up in the hospital. And she ended up, it's a long story, but she ended up with a severe brain bleed and um, went on a ventilator. And the the doctor said that she was in a vegetative state and that she would never come out, that it, her brain had been destroyed, her brain was dead, and and that they called the family in. And in China, they don't, um, like it's really important where you die um, because where you die is where you need to stay for like a three-day period, at least in the province that we are at. So like, for example, a neighbor of ours died outside of their home and for three days, that neighbor sat right outside. We could all see her just laying out, you know, for, for three days. And so, like, if you die outside, you have to stay outside. If you die inside, you have to, if you die in a hospital, you have to stay in the hospital. And so, so anyways, they informed the family she's going to die. And so they were preparing her body to go off the ventilator as quickly as possible, rush her home 
so that she could die at home. And um, and so during that time, of course, that time was leading up to Pentecost. And so we, all of our staff, we loved her. You know, she was family to us, and we're, and she's young and had children. And so we were all fasting and praying 21 days up to Pentecost and praying for her. And on Pentecost morning, we had an early morning prayer time, and um, the power of God came in an extraordinary way. In fact, some of our teenagers, one who was... Um, came off the black market. We had children from all different areas, either that had been abandoned or from from the black market who had been sold and all that kind of stuff. And um, so this one particular young man, a young boy, um, still a teenager, he had just, he had been in that situation and just had all of the effects of that, you know. And um, we had been just sewing and sewing into this young guy and he just been flippy floppy you know and just trying his best but just you know uh really had struggled obviously and so but this morning I remember I hear this voice and there's this voice that's getting louder and louder in intercession and I look over at Mike and I said is that Stephen and we look over, and all of a sudden now he's like roaring in prayer at the top of his lungs, hand raised, interceding for Inge. And it was there was this powerful um, move of the Spirit that morning. Well, in the next couple of days, we get a phone call that Inge woke up. She woke up, and she was completely healed. Com- not not a not a yeah not. Not a sign or a symptom. In fact, the doctors and the hospital guards wanted to take pictures with her. Like, it was so significant that, um, like, everybody, saved and unsaved, knew this was a miracle. This doesn't happen. Well, that was incredible enough, the healing. But what she told us when she came back was the most incredible thing. So she said that when she was in this state on the ventilator, she knew she died. And that she went and stood before heaven's gates. And she said it, she described it, and she's a very simple village woman, right? And so she described standing like at the at the the um the edge of the abyss. She said there was a huge black hole, and um, and it was it was big, and beyond the hole were the gates of heaven. And she said off to the side was you know at the airport where it looked like the flights come up and rotate through. Well, it, the billboard looked like that, but it was names, and she knew instinctively in the dream that that was the Lamb's Book of Life. And so she was watching and waiting for her name to come. You know, they it was like an alphabetical order, like watching. So she knew when her name was supposed to be there. And it came to the place, and her name wasn't written. Okay, so we had letter to the Lord. She had said the prayer of salvation. 
She came to all the prayer meetings, the worship meetings, the church services. She loved the children. You would never have known or thought that she wasn't saved. But she knew in the, in, and I say dream, it was a visitation. It wasn't just a dream. She was, she was there. It was a real encounter for her. And she said, she described, and it was holy the whole time she was, like you could feel the energy in the room as this simple little village woman was describing this event. She said she walked over down the road and she, and she sat down and she was weeping and she knew she was without hope. She knew she was without hope and, and she knew that she hadn't really known God. And she said all of a sudden a hand came on her shoulder and she looked up, and it was Jesus. And he said, daughter, what's wrong? Why are you crying? And she said, Lord, don't you know my name's not written? I'm lost. And he looked at her and smiled. And he held out his hand, and he said, come with me. And he lifted her up. And when he lifted her up, she came back to life in, in that hospital room. Now, this rocked us, okay? And we, we st started really taking this seriously and talking to the Lord because, guys, when you look at the New Testament and the severity of the New Testament, and I'm just going to unpack just a couple of things, this is a really important message because there are verses all throughout and especially through Jesus's testimonies that say in the last days this 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 will happen and then there are words like many and most many people's love will grow cold most people will lose their faith we need okay if you just look at this room and Maybe this, like, for me, when I heard this story, the first thing I did was I got on my knees and I just said, you know, the word says that we can't even judge our own heart rightly. We need the Lord. We need to stand bare before the Lord and make sure that according to the Lord's standards that we are where we need to be. And, and so... You know, we did that with ourselves and took inventory and just said, okay, just, I'm going to gird myself up like a man right now, and I need you to speak to me and just, you know, let's just talk. And then I, I got on the phone when the Lord started unpacking scriptures, and I got on the phone with my children. I got on the phone with everybody that I knew. I had meetings with people all over our province, you know, all of our people, and we just went over the scriptures, and it was amazing to see how many people really didn't know if their salvation was secure. And see, in today's time, we, we tend to... As we're evangelizing, we tend to preach the gospel and then ask somebody, okay, so do you want to say the prayer of salvation? Okay, well, repeat after me, you know, and, and declare that Jesus is your master and your savior and confess your sin and you'll be saved. 
but we need to understand that just saying a prayer of salvation does not mean that you have faith in God. And one of the scriptures that we all know, you know, and that I've preached, I think, here before in James is, and, and you know, I, I studied the book of James in my doctoral, and I just, I just loved it. I love him so much. And I, I tell people often who are just beginning to know the Lord to study the book of James. And the reason why is because he's very, very straightforward. Like he, he, his personality was the kind where like my husband, you know, like he, he was short and to the point and like, and it was not confusing. He said exactly what he meant and he meant what he said. And, but James said a very interesting thing that we all know. He said, you believe in God. Well, good for you. Even the demons believe. So, you know, we tell people, well, just believe in God. And if you asked people, do you believe in God? Yes, I believe in God. Well, even the demons believe more, probably more so than us because they, they've seen. And, um, but faith without works is dead. It's like a corpse here. And... If there was a corpse laying here, that's what faith would look like without works. And it's a special kind, it's, a, it's an interesting kind of works. You know, in the book of Matthew, I believe that, I know this is heavy, but I believe that the book of Matthew should, is a really, really important book of the Bible for, for right now. And I would say just, just study the book of Matthew and just go line by line. And, you know, some things we're going to need to slow down as we read because we, we've heard things so much that we can miss. But it's interesting, you know, um, and, and really I could, I could preach for hours just through every scripture. But if you look at things like um, the beginning of Matthew 7 where it talks about the narrow road that leads to salvation and the broad road that leads to destruction. What are the words surrounding that? That there's a broad road that many choose. And there is a narrow road. And what is the word that few choose? And the, these are like roads that that we as true believers need to point people to through their salvation, like you are entering a very narrow road. And we, we, I think so much, and I've been guilty of this, I so much want people to feel okay, to feel safe with God, that sometimes I'm protecting God where he does not want to be protected. He wants to be known. He wants to be known. And, and let me tell you, the truth of God, the severity of God is, is so beautiful and it's so safe. It's so much safer than us trying to make people feel okay. If we would trust God with his truth, with the things that he said, and if we in love in love will present the truth and not like some of the things like that, that I had to read to people like 
it doesn't, like, for the God that I know now intimately, it's not the way he relates to me. Why? Because I'm a daughter. So, like, I don't, he doesn't relate to me with that, that um, outcome because I'm a daughter. But for those that are not, there's, there's a, a scary outcome. And sometimes we just, we want, to, we want God to seem so good that we think his goodness is not his severity. And it is. And we need to present the fullness. We know that later in Matthew 7, it says, many will stand at heaven's gates. And the Lord will say, depart, I never knew you, right? Now, these are people like me and you that think that they are ready to access heaven. And they have proof. And the proof is they've healed and cast out demons and done many miracles in his name. They were not devoid of power. They, they, there was a belief in God, right? Obviously, if you cast out a demon in the name of Jesus, right? In the, in the name of the Lord, then that means that they had a belief, right? That there was some kind, and he said to them, Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I never knew you. They were like, what the heck? What? How? And guys, this is the time that we're in. And I just, I believe, like, even with the, like, the, the lack of travel and the, you know, like, the focus, even though evangelism will always be a focus, I believe right now that the heart of God is for the local church the local body and making well the people and as leaders like Mike and I and you know the the people that the Lord gave us you know James said not many should become teachers and leaders because we're we're literally responsible right for for another's soul for the thing for the teachings and the way that we present Jesus to them and and uh the scariest thing to me is convincing someone of their assuredness into heaven, and then they're not. And a lot of times people will tell us, I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling right. I'm feeling disconnected. I'm feeling whatever. And we say, don't worry, just trust just trust. You said the prayer of salvation. Don't worry. Just trust. And maybe there's some, there's some things that the Holy Spirit is trying to point out. Like, and if we believe the words, like in Matthew 24, it says, it, it, let, let me just read real quick. If we're looking at the you know, we all have probably preached, you know, the end time stuff recently. And, you know, but they were asking, you know, what's the sign of your coming? This is in Matthew 24 and starting in verse 3 and the end of the age. And this is these are the words of Jesus. And he said, see to it. This is Jesus. See to it that no one misleads you. 
make sure that no one misleads you for in for many will come in my name saying I'm the Christ and many will mislead you what's that that's a false prophet somebody that is present not just saying like I am Jesus but somebody is saying this is who Jesus is this is who Jesus is for many will come and you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened. Guys, this is important. This is important. This is what we need to make sure right now. And not just after, again, we've cried and mumbled and complained, but this needs to become who we are at all times. And this is Jesus. See to it that you are not frightened. For those things must take place, but that's not yet the end. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all of these things are merely the, be the beginning of birth pangs. Okay, so we've obviously, you know, we're close, right? Um, but these things are merely birth pangs. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my names, at that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. This, I mean, obviously, I'm just, you know, saying things that are obvious. Um, but this is what the enemy is just so trying to do in this time. He's trying to get us to hate one another. He's trying to get us to, to this, to, to just hate and betray one another. And what is, what is hating and betraying? It's the opposite of love. It's the opposite of patience and kindness. Not holding somebody's faults against them. Not holding an account of wrongs suf suffered against us. Many false prophets will arise and mislead many. Because, of law, because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. So that, okay, break it down. They had love, right? So not those without love. It's not talking about those without love. The ones that were in love, most, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures till the end will be saved. This is the gospel of the kingdom, and it should be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. When, when I started asking the Lord, we, okay, so we, we started preaching this everywhere, and it was amazing. It did not scare people. It didn't scare, in fact, they said, we needed this, like we we needed all of these scriptures and all of these verses, and it brought a revival. This was right before Mike and I were ushered out of the country. It brought a revival to our people and a seriousness and a steadfastness and a bravery and a courage that nothing else had ever brought. And I asked the Lord, I was like, what, what, you know what passages what what are the what are more of the important things that you want people to know and he said tell my people about 
the story of the ten virgins and of the wedding feast. And both of these, both of these parables in the Bible um, are about the church. Okay, they're they're about the church. And if you read about the ten virgins, they were all ten of them. They were all going to Jesus. They were all going in the same direction. They were all going to Jesus, and they all thought that they were going to see Jesus, and they all thought that they were going to make it. 50% did and 50% didn't. 50% thought that there was time. 50% came prepared. And when the door shut, the door shut, and they were not reopened. Just I don't have time to go through the whole passage, but I just encourage you, read it with new eyes. And then the story of the marriage feast, I think, is fascinating because, you know, we know that the marriage feast was prepared for God's chosen people, that they rejected Jesus. And so he finally told his servants to go now into the highways and the byways and just invite everybody. And the word said the good and the bad. Okay, so this this isn't about who you are when you come. The good and the bad, invite all of them. Okay, and so they came, right? You all know the story. So they came, those, those um, that knew that they were poor, <laughs> they came to the wedding feast, and there was one that the master came when he looked around to, to observe everyone that wasn't dressed in the wedding clothes. And he said, you, wear your clothes. Why aren't you dressed? And the man didn't have an answer. So he responded to the invitation. He came to the wedding feast. He was enjoying what was prepared there, but he was not proper, properly clothed. And so what did the master do? He kicked him out to the place where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. There is a standard, and I think that we, we often don't preach and teach that there is there's a standard. Why? Because Jesus is so glorious, and what Jesus did is so amazing. And it's not just for anybody who is not going to treat Jesus and his sacrifice the way that it deserves. It is for those that are in love. In the book of Revelation, one of the things before all this started in January, we always do a fast and pray in the new year and all of that. And the Lord, you know, gave me a verse about not forgetting your first love. And I was like, well, God, I mean, I'm in, I mean, I'm in love with you. Like, I was like, what do you mean? And, you know, like, and so I started studying, you know, and, and through, through the scriptures, you know, it, it's, This, this standard of love for the Lord um, is, it, it's important. And in, for the, the first church where, in the, I'm sorry, in the book of Revelation, um, 
where he said, I have this one thing against you that you've forgotten your first love. So again, that meant that they had started out in love and that they had, and it's, and there were all these other things, all these other good things. I, I've known your hardship. I've known your perseverance. I've known that you've hated sin. I've known all of these things, but this thing I have against you, you forgot your first love. And then he says, now go and do what you did in the beginning. It doesn't say feel what you felt in the beginning. Because, you know, like, you, we can't make ourselves do that. We can't, like, and don't think that your love will ever not be tested, you know? And that, that you know, but there is an importance about doing and being steadfast in the things that we did in the beginning and not getting not getting lazy and saying that well we don't need to do that anymore we don't need to spend that much time anymore or give that much anymore or run up front anymore or you know the things that we did in the beginning like do the things that that you did in the beginning if you do that you're going to be given access to the tree of life what's the implication if we don't no access to the tree of life. What's the tree of life? Jesus. It's an eternal, um, an eternal life passage. And then one of the last churches, he said, "This I have against you that you're not hot or cold, but you're lukewarm." So for the ones that are cold, it's like we've lost our salvation. And you know, it's not once saved, always saved. It's we're not in a we're we're. We can, the Lord will never turn his back against us. That, that is for sure. Like he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. But don't think for a moment that you can't walk away from the Lord, that we can't divorce him. We can, and it's all throughout the New Testament. It, it details that, that, um, uh, that we have the ability to stay connected or to disconnect. And um, it's really important right now because this last season that we were in with the pandemic, we're so sick of hearing about, you know, all of that. But what we found is that anything hard that we went through, you know, like, you know, through throughout all the years on the mission field or whatever, um, that those things were always preparation for the next hard time. Like and and the Lord expected us to learn our lesson and to go into the next to the next place on a firm foundation. In fact, he spoke to me when all this started going down, you know, and then taking our kids back and all of that. He's like, "Dina, you already learned this. You already learned this lesson." It's, it's a new circumstance. The stakes, they're children. The stakes are so much higher. And I was like, you know, like, I was determined to live the word. And because I was also determined not to be a victim. And, you know, like, when, just imagine your children being ripped out of your arms and being abused. Like, it's, you know, like it. That's like the, the worst thing you can think of. And in that, still, there was a requirement of me. Do you believe? Do I believe Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd. In him, there's absolutely no lack. That 
for the children, the Lord is their father. He certainly won't leave them alone as orphans, like that that I'm not the savior, that he is. That Jeremiah 29, 11, that the Lord has plans, not just for me and my husband and my biological children, but he has plans for these children. He has a future and a hope. Do I believe that or do I not believe that? Do I believe that when they are cuddled up around me? Or do I believe that God actually has a plan? It is not of calamity. It is for a future and a hope. If I do, I walk in a certain way. I position myself. There's not an underneath sadness. And this is one of the things that I see a lot um, that we have to be careful of, of this under, under the surface river of disappointment, of sadness, of confusion. And I I would just have to say, no. I mean, there's lots of confusion. We just built a 45,000 square foot building, furnished, ready for us to move in and take all these new kids, and they kicked us out of the country. So you could say, it's so confusing. No. I don't understand, but... He hasn't given me a spirit of confusion. Amen. He just, there's, there's not confusion. There's not fear. There's not, I, I just don't understand, and that's okay, because he does. And all I need to do is trust in the Lord with all my heart, lean not under my own understanding. And, and it was it, um, interesting that as we just stayed, like not in multiple words, but in the words that the Lord had spoken to us during this season, you know, I bet that you all have a word, like a passage, something that has been meaningful to you recently. And what I would say to you is live in that word. Live in it. Make it the place that is your foundation that you stand upon and not there to be all this underlying things underneath, but actually stand upon the word. Let your heart be encouraged. Let your soul be encouraged in what the Lord has spoken to you. So... You know, after Inge shared this story with us, I remember I was going into um, up to my prayer room, and what the Lord was doing in the people all around us was it was so it was so amazing, and there was so much purity that was coming forth. And all of a sudden, as I was in my prayer room, my heart for America just it was like, and you know, I I. That's normally not my focus. China was my was my focus. And so, but all of a sudden, like this overwhelming just concern and love for America. Just and I and I said to the Lord, America needs the American church, they need to hear this. And this was in August, and we were locked down. Like when we say locked down for like eight months straight. We had guards at our village gates and we had, um, what is it called? 
sheet metal blockade. They sheet metaled the entrances. Mike could go out twice a week to get food, only one person to get in. All the children had to stay in their in their room. They couldn't they couldn't go downstairs. They couldn't for eight months in one little room, you know, like it was it was serious. And so I'm this is the the context that it's in, because we're an orphanage, there is so much more constraint on us from the government. And so we weren't allowed to do any, any, anything, anything. And so I said, Lord, if this is what I think it is, send me to, to America, send me to the church. I didn't know at that time what that meant within a week Mike's mom died. She's a believer, a believer her whole life, a beautiful believer. But I mean, just no warning, just died just like that. And it was interesting, the Chinese government, because Mike was now the oldest son, that was a really important position when a parent dies. And so they actually encouraged us to go home to do the funeral. It wouldn't have happened. We wouldn't have been able. They wouldn't have granted us permission to leave. I believe that his mom was even martyred. Like, I believe that she was a sacrifice. And so we got back to to the States, and then all the doors closed, and all, the, all access to China closed. And it's a long story, but... Um, but I, I do believe that that the Lord really wants us to make sure that he wants us to do inventory on our own life and he wants us to talk to people. And the, just the last thing is uh, it, it's about this area of um, salvation that I think is, is often unaddressed and it's the area of sin. And, you know, Jesus, and I know that you guys all know this, but Jesus came for one reason, and the reason was to take care of the issue of sin. And so often as we're leading people to the Lord or we're, we're trying to get our parents or our children or our friends into the kingdom, we, we talk a lot about believing in God and we talk a lot about following God, but we, and we tell them, confess your sin, but the, the area of deliverance is not addressed. And what, what we found is that a lot of those places where um, people are, are hung up, what, what I've said, we've had deliverance ministry the whole 16 years, and, and um, it's interesting some of the things that the Lord has taught us about, about this area. And um, I had this, I'll give you an example. I had this girl fly in from Australia and she had had an abortion. She was a believer. She had had an abortion and she was undone. She was so sad and sorry for what she had done. And she had been to many people and they had prayed for her and and whatnot, and but she just couldn't get get out from under that, and so she she flew and she came and she wanted to meet with me, and I sat with her and shared with her the things that I know. When we were, she seemed right on board and 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 everything, and 
and or just starting to pray, and the Lord stopped me, and he said, um, ask her if I were to give her the baby back right now, put the baby back in her belly. You know that's happened. There's a testimony out of Australia where a woman had had an abortion, and she had just completely turned her life around and and um, repented and within a matter of weeks the baby was back in her womb and um, with a heartbeat at the same age the same age as the baby that she had aborted so anyways the Lord stopped me and he said ask her if I were to put the baby in her womb right now what would she do and so I asked her and, you know, and she had been crying, just crying, wailing and weeping as, you know, we had gone through things. And she said, I can't be pregnant. I can't be pregnant. She said, I, I couldn't. God wouldn't do that, would he? I can't be pregnant. And the Lord said, there's not been true repentance. See, the word says that it's godly sorrow godly sorrow that leads to repentance and that repentance this is in um second corinthians 8 9 in that area that that godly sorrow leads to repentance and that kind of repentance is actually the thing that leads us to the verdict that says not guilty and you know like in the word it says um that there's wisdom and it's earthly and that earthly wisdom is demonic. So there's a there's a wisdom there, you know, a lot of times we just think wisdom comes from God, but those of us that know that scripture knows that there's an earthly wisdom that's demonic. There's also sorrow, crying, tears, sorrow that's earthly, comes from a demonic place to distract us from godly sorrow that leads to true repentance that we is crucial to lead to the non not verdict. And so I've just found that um, a lot of people in the church, I, I remember I just did a school of ministry. It's a very strong school of ministry, very good preaching. And I remember the Lord told me to teach, to talk about deliverance. And I just thought they've already been through all of this. Like they've already, there was at the end, actually, I was like one of the last speakers for the school year. And I, I knew the schedule and the things that they teach. And I was like, they've not only been taught this, but they're um, actually ministering deliverance when they go to different churches and what, whatever. And so I was, I was like not wanting to talk about it because they were really strong. But the Lord was just like, he was not relenting. And he's like, I want, I want you to talk about deliverance. I want you to talk about the importance of confessing sin one to another. And, and so I started and it was amazing that even the worship leaders, I remember one of the, the, the worship leaders that was leading worship, he waited for me until the very last, you know, person hours, like I was ministering. And I said, are you okay? I was getting, I had to go because I was already late for my plane. Are you okay? No, I'm not okay. You know, and, and they told me afterwards that they did deliverance for the next like four weeks straight. Like as people just really began confessing 
confessing their sin. And I just tell you, just in my own life, um, and I, I know I shared maybe on this before, but when after I had my encounter with the Lord, and, um, you know, it's this beautiful encounter. And some of us have encounters with the Lord, and, you, and we think if we have an encounter with the Lord, that that solidifies everything else. But our relationship is too two people involved in the relationship and that and there are standards anyways and so I'd had this amazing encounter with the Lord and radical baptism of the Holy Spirit but I had lived in a lot of sin in my college years and my teenage years and my college years multiple multiple sex partners multiple shameful shameful things um, and things that I had done as a child and this is one thing I just want to touch on for you to talk to your children about, but also don't forget about the 60 and 70-year-olds, okay? Because I found that the enemy will try to plant um, seeds of shame when you're 8, 9, 10 years old. Maybe you had sexual encounters with a cousin, you know, or brother or sister. I, I've, I've heard it all. Um especially in the areas of sex, sex with animals, sex with, like things that people won't talk about in the church. And so people think, well, I confess that to God. And that's, I was the same way. Like I confessed to God a thousand times. But at night when I would go to sleep, I would have dreams. And when I was praying, I would have these memories pass through, you know, like pictures of things that I'd done past and I could not it just seemed so dirty you know and I was like I'm doing everything I knew to do like to to confess that to you and and the Lord just spoke to me one day and he said but Dina I was there so there's really nothing to confess to me because I know I know the word says confess your sin one to another and you'll be saved and healed. And there's so many things where there's these issues of shame and guilt and embarrassment. And I, rem I remember thinking two things, like two memories that I thought I could confess a lot of things. But these two things I'd done as a younger um, teen that I thought I could never tell anyone. Like I... It, I just thought people would look at me different. Like, I, like there would just be this thing that people would remember about me. And I just thought, I, there's no way. It just seems so scary. And, and the Lord spoke to me and he said, you know, I, I understand. Because he does understand, right? He understands. The word tells us that he understands everything, all the temptations that come against us. He understands. He said, but this will always be between us. So you have to decide what you want to do with it. And there is a process, and it's called confess your sin one to another. And it will get rid of. It'll get rid of the guilt. It'll get rid of the shame. It'll get rid of the thing that's not keeping me from you because I'm closer than a brother, but keeping you from me because there's this thing that, you know. And so I remember calling a friend and uh, a trusted woman of God, and I said, um, and I was shaking, and and I said, 
do you have time? I need to talk to you about something. She said, yeah. She had no idea what I was going to say. So I just started from my earliest memory. Do you know a lot of people say children, you know, you tell children, oh, you were little, you know, you don't need to worry about that. No, we need to make sure that we walk our kids through deliverance stuff because it's amazing the memories that they'll have and how they can carry that into adulthood. I've done deliverance with, again, 60 and 70-year-olds that lived in shame their entire life from something that they had done when they were 10 years old. And so I I just started and and I was scared and I confessed all the, you know, the little stuff, you know, uh, you know, first and, you know, and those things were still hard because I'd never really said any of those things out loud. I might have said, well, I had sex before marriage, but, you know, that was that was my way of making it pretty. And the Lord told me from the beginning, just tell the truth. Like if if you lie, don't say, oh, I, I didn't tell the truth. Say I lie. I lied to you. Like, I, I lied to you. It's not like, oh, I didn't tell the truth. We can make things sound prettier than they are. And so I got to these two things, and I was just so scared. I was so scared to, like, actually say them out loud. And But I just thought, okay, I'm just, I'm just going to do it. And so I said it, and um, it was so amazing that the second that it came out of my mouth, all the, like, it's the, as big as that seemed, it did not seem big anymore. Like all the scariness, all of the whatever, it was out. And I was like, man, on just one one sentence, like I was free. Like one and and just getting it out, just one sentence, I was free. And I just couldn't even believe that I wasn't even concerned about what she thought of me anymore. I was just like feeling this, the pleasure of God. And it was just glorious. And so I got done at the end. And at the end of the conversation, she, the, I mean, she was silent. She was, and I had said some stuff, you know, and she was silent. And I said, are you okay? What are you thinking? And she said, um, I never heard anybody do that before. She said, do you have time? And she began, and here she was, a woman of God her whole life, and there had been things that she never would have said to anybody unless, you know. So I, I just want to, I, I want to bring encouragement, but I want to bring seriousness, that it's, it's time to get serious about our salvation. It's time to get serious about sin. If you are struggling or people that you know are struggling with nightmares, with, you know, pictures, with stuff like that, you know, it's it's hard to say, just tell me, because, you know, that sounds like you just want to know information. But just become a trustworthy person for those people that need to walk through um, and get good at your poker face <laughs> so that some of the things that I've heard, you know, like when we when when this started happening in China, we had pimps, prostitutes and the things that they needed to get off of their chest. You know, we had people that had uh, all kinds of all kinds of things and just really needed to to get good at listening and um practice love, practice
practice not judging and um, and walking forward with the Lord. And so um, that's all I wanted to share. So God bless you. And I just, I just, can we just pray real, just real quick? So God, I know this was messy, and it, it, um, it is what it is. But I thank you. I thank you that you really care about our life with you. And I thank you that as a, as a father, you don't want anybody to be surprised at the gates of heaven. You don't want us to think that we're in a place that we're not. You want our salvation to be secure. You want to take us out of darkness and put us into your marvelous light where there's nothing hidden nothing shameful you want us to know you intimately you want to say to us come enter enter in good and faithful servant enter into your your great reward and so father i just ask right now that if there's anybody if there's anybody that that is just not feeling right that's feeling like they've lost their first love like they're lukewarm or even more than that that they're cold that they 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 are questioning their salvation i just pray right now father that you would meet them i pray that you would meet them that you would meet their family members i pray that you would meet the people that they work with and i pray that you would give us a a courage and a boldness to just be real to be transparent to be free in jesus name i just pray that in this place and in the in the places where these people go and the the people that they reached that there wouldn't be words like many or most but there would be words of all all who heard came all who heard came they they heard the truth and the truth set them free they entered the narrow road and they rejoiced to walk in the narrow road that leads to salvation i just pray that all the scary topics homosexuality all of the scary topics that we're dealing with right now and in all the communities i just pray that we would be loving and true I pray that as believers, we would be loving and true and not scared of people, but that we would have the fear of the Lord. I pray that, God, I pray that you would reinstate a good, holy fear of the Lord, of you, and that we're not afraid that you're going to come with a, a sledgehammer, but the fear of the Lord just means that you mean what you say. You just mean with with all of who you are. If you said something, if you had it written in the word, it's important. It means something. And so I pray that you would give us the courage to walk the narrow road, the narrow road, and that we would take hands of many people around us and bring them into the beautiful, holy, narrow road that leads to salvation. I pray that you would break every chain of shame, every chain of guilt. I pray that you would give people the courage of confession, the freedom to know that, they are, that they're holy, 
disconnected from the past. I pray that we wouldn't be afraid to share our former life with others, that we wouldn't put on pretense, our pretty faces, but that we would let people know that there's nothing that God doesn't forgive. There's nothing that he runs from. He runs towards us like the prodigal son's father. He picks up his robe between his legs. As soon as he sees us come clean, he picks up his robe and he runs to us. Father, we thank you that you don't leave us unaware. We thank you. We thank you that we are living in the most glorious of times. And we take our rightful place, strong and courageous, strong and courageous, full of faith and full of hope. We lay down everything that would divide. I just encourage, I know that this is a strong body, but I just encourage every dividing line, everything that would cause hatred and disunity. We just lay down every dividing thought, every dividing judgment, every tactic of the enemy, and we pursue and go after love. Purify your bride. Purify us. In Revelation, you said that it is the bride's responsibility to clothe herself, that you won't clothe her for her, but it is our responsibility to clothe ourselves in the, in the beautiful white and spotless gown which is the righteous acts of the saints. So we just right now, we remember who we are. We remember the simplicity of love, love God and love our neighbor. I was on the airplane going to a wedding and right before this, you know, we were, um, I'm just gonna talk, uh, just one, one second. Uh, but we, we, we didn't think that we needed the vaccine. I'm just gonna talk about it because I'm not afraid to talk about it. Okay, we didn't think of, we, you know, we're from Florida. <laughs> New Yorkers, you know Florida. You know, like, you know, we didn't think, you know, that, and, you know, we're healthy and, you know, all of that. And um, I'd already had COVID and, you know, just all of, all of that. And, and the Lord spoke to me one day and he just said, have you, have you really come and talked to me without, you know, without social media, without all the things that you've heard? Have you just come and talked to me? And I was like, you know, I thought that I was talking to him. 
I thought I was talking to him, but I really hadn't closed everything out and just talked to the Lord. And so, so he said, Dina, you're not afraid, are you? You're not afraid of effects of the vaccine, are you? I said, no. You're not afraid of getting COVID, are you? No. You're not afraid of dying, are you? No. You're not afraid of your brothers and sisters, are you? No, I'm not. And he said, you know, there's, there's people that are afraid. And he said, you getting a vaccine will make them not afraid. You can do that. I'm not, and this isn't a plug for vaccination or not vaccination. I'm just, and I believe everybody has the right to do what, what they believe is right for their body. But, but I, I just think that this is interesting. And I said, yeah, you know, I'm not a. I'm not afraid. Why am I taking a stance when I'm not afraid? And when my freedom can lead to someone else's peace. So I thought it was interesting. So I talked to Mike and we just, after church, we just went and got the vaccine. You know, we just went and got it. And it was, you know, no big deal. And a couple of days, two days later, I was on the plane coming to New York, no, coming to Virginia. And I sat next to a woman from New York and she immediately this was going off on, you know, people that that didn't get vaccinated, that didn't believe in vaccinations, all of that. She's just like she's angry about it and frustrated and afraid, an older woman. And she so she turned to me and she said, well, what do you think? And what do you believe? And I said, I got vaccinated for you. And she just looked at me and I said, I'm serious. I said, you're, you know, like you're so important. And I know, I know how important this is to so many people. And so I want you to know that even though I had different feelings about it, like I got vaccinated for you and I want you to feel safe sitting next to me. And do you know that the Lord opened the door that stopping for the one, that one woman, the whole three hours I was on that flight, I ministered the gospel to this woman. I prayed with her. I ministered the gospel. I just want to remind us just about love. I'm not saying vaccine, not vaccine. I'm just, I just want to remind you, God has answers. God has answers for you. And maybe it's the flip side, you know, for the person that you're going to be encountering. I don't know, but he knows, he knows what we're supposed to do and the, the heart and the motive behind why we do the things that we do. I think it's beautiful here when, when I see masks, even though, you know, I might have different feelings because it shows honor for those because we're all one body. So anyways, so let's just, I wanted to share that just before you pray. God, I know, I don't know. <laughs> none of us, none of us know. But we just want to be, we just want to be full of light and full of love and not afraid and not divided on anything, anytime, any day. And if someone's going to lay their life down, it's going to be us. If somebody's going to get low, it's going to be us. We're the ones you said, who can I send? Send me, send me. Send me, and you could do whatever you want. You can do, you can tell me to do anything you want. You can tell me to do anything you want as long as I stay loving you and loving my neighbor and laying my life down. So whatever that looks like 
in all of our lives, me included, we just pray that you would reveal crystal clear what love looks like and what it doesn't. Crystal clear, crystal clear what your love looks like. As we meet with you face to face, I had no idea I was going to sit next to this woman on the airplane, but you knew, you knew, you knew, and she was important enough. She was important enough. Whoa. Wow. Every dividing line, everything that holds us back, everything that sets us apart the way we're not supposed to be set apart. We just cast it down. We cast it aside. We cast it down. Help us to do the simple things well, the easy things well, well every day with a pure heart. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at Life Center NYC or YouTube at Life Center Church NYC.